AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney, Rodney Keith. It's available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, we continue on. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. Uh, out of Dodger Stadium, they're set to go. Andrew Friedman addressing the media. Walking up and sitting down. General manager with him as well. Our audio today is courtesy of Sportsnet LA, and let's go out to Dodger Stadium for Andrew Friedman's comments. Uh, Andrew, first, just now that it's been a few days, have you had the chance to kind of reflect on how this final series, what's kind of played out, and I guess what is your reaction to it? Um, you know, we, uh, I think, you know, the last three days have been incredibly difficult. Um, you know, not sure exactly when that's going to dissipate, but, you know, I think it's natural. Uh, to go back and think through it. And obviously, everyone wants a clear-cut answer. And I think if you were to boil it down to its simplest form, in the regular season, we led baseball in every statistical category with runners in scoring position. In this series, we were not good. During the course of the season, you know, we had peaks and valleys with runners in scoring position. And this was a valley. The question is, is it baseball? Or are there things we can do to improve upon that? Are there levers we can pull? Are there things to put us in a better position there? You know, obviously we had four game stretches all during the year where we struggled, but in totality, we performed extremely well on that front. You know, we had more opportunities than they did. They cashed in at a higher efficiency than we did, and that's why they're playing tonight and why we're sitting here today. Um, but, you know, I think trying to process all of it, um, you know, from my standpoint, is so much more about what's constructive, what is helpful. Uh, we have more time right now than we anticipated. Um, you know, we weren't planning to start thinking about the 23 team <laughs> until later. And so now the question is, how can we best use this time? Use it wisely to do everything we can not to have this time next year. You guys have quite a few free agents that are now on the market. How much, um, how important is it whether to try to retain some of those guys or do you think changes need to be made or most of the <clears throat> I mean, I think you go back to you know, our 17 team, our 18 team, our 20 team. I think change is inevitable. Uh, in team sports, so I do think that there's going to be some change. Uh, what exactly that looks like, I'm not sure right now. Um, you know, again, we didn't anticipate having this time, and so now it's about really rolling our sleeves up and digging in for things we can learn from this year that will help us in the future, and also the best way to position ourselves to have the deepest and best team going into next year. And, you know, we're going to do our best to use that time wisely and do everything we can to, you know, pick ourselves off the ground and put the best team out there for next year. Andrew, you, know, you just asked a question yourself, right? Is it just baseball or are there things that you can do? Uh, it's kind of your gut, you know, reaction thoughts right now. Which one do you think it is? I don't know the answer. I mean, I think it's probably a combination. You know, again, we went through four game stretches all year where we were, you know, the 27 Yankees with runners in scoring position. We went through four game stretches this year where we were on the other end of that continuum. Um, you know, I felt like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of taking each game separately. Um, game one, I felt like for three innings, we were great. Those last remaining innings, we were not. Now we held on and won the game. Uh, in game two, I actually feel like we had really good at-bats. We had really good at-bats against you, Darvish. Uh, and their pen and had a lot of different opportunities and some hard-hit balls that found guys that didn't fall. 
I didn't feel that way in games three and four. Um, and so how much of that is baseball in the natural course and how much of it is, um, you know, other things. Again, so many of our guys have a lot of postseason experience. It's not being intimidated by the moment. You know, we had some untimely kind of injuries with Gavin Lux and JT, who were doing really well in September, had those injuries and came back and, you know, weren't quite right yet. Um, but you can kind of go through all of it, and we will, and spend time on it. Um, just trying to find any levers or anything we can do to help put us in a better position next year. I'm kind of wondering, you know, with, with as many teams that are tanking now, right, um, I think there was like a stretch maybe in the middle of the season, you guys weren't playing great then, right? You go visit the Reds, now all of a sudden like you're on a winning streak again. Um, you mentioned game one, obviously that's the guy, Red and Clevenger, that they probably don't want out there, right? Coincidentally or not, that's the guy you guys hit. Um, I don't know, is because of the way the competitive balance of the game, the way it is right now, do you think that that can be a regular season can be kind of misleading in a way, or at least in regards no, to because I think everyone, you know, it's it's all relative. And other good teams also played all the other teams. And I feel like against good teams and good pitching, we performed near the top in general. We played against those Padre pitchers a lot. And we had a worse string of at-bats during these four games than we did in the, you know, during the regular season. And how much of that is them adapting to something? How much of it is us being slow reacting? How much of it is it is, you know, batted ball luck? How much of it is, you know, not handling moments. I mean, there's all kinds of different things and um, to dig into, and we're going to. A lot of times, firm answers are hard to come by. You know, we want clear answers and things that, um, you know, do everything, you know, help us in, you know, figuring out how to do things better the following year. Sometimes it's easy to do, and sometimes it's not and digging in on why we didn't cash in on those opportunities is not the easiest thing, but we're going to spend time and be as thoughtful as we can. Obviously, I get the, right, you've got to get to the playoffs first. You have to get through kind of a six-month regular season. Um, but if you were to say, just kind of in a bubble, in a vacuum, able to construct a team just for the playoffs, how much would that differ from the team that you've constructed, you know, like say after the winter going into a season? And is there a way you think maybe of kind of bridging those two things if they are different? I mean, I guess a different way to answer that, if you're asking me if I think the best team wins the World Series every year, I would say no. I think the hottest team wins the World Series every year. And so it's how to put us in the best position going into October to be the hottest team. Um, you know, 2017, we went through that cold streak we got hot and we rolled through the playoffs until the world series you know 2020 each year has its own kind of different narrative to it but i don't believe that the best team wins the world series every year i think that's unequivocal i guess are they two different things though right there's a best team over like a six-month thing and maybe a best team for a tournament like in your mind are those two the same thing i guess my point is is that, I guess, partly is how you define best team. But again, I think it is about the hottest team. I think you can look at, you know, after a series and say, oh, this team played better. And that's true. They played better than we did. That's not in dispute. But how much of it, you know, how much of it are things you can foresee in advance as opposed to, after the fact, I think that's a really important distinction. Um, you know, I feel like the expectations here are incredibly high, and that's awesome. I love how passionate our fans are. Those expectations are shared by everyone that works here. In the front office, in the coach's room, Dave, our players. Uh, I personally don't think the criticism that Dave has received has been fair. Um, I think it's human nature to want to point the finger at someone, 
Um, and I feel like this was an organizational uh, failure in the postseason. I feel like, you know, our regular season goal, we accomplished. We put ourselves in the very best position you can to go out and win 11 games in October. We didn't come close to doing that. And <clears throat> I think there are fairly clear answers as to why and others that aren't <clears throat> as clear. But I think, you know, that passion is awesome and love it. But I feel like all of us are incredibly disappointed. And, you know, at least the way my mind works is taking this moment, learning what we can from what has happened and doing everything we can to avoid this going forward. Now, getting back to your point, what can we do going in to hopefully put ourselves in a position to play in October next year? And then once we're able to accomplish that, how do we put ourselves in the best position to be the hottest team during that stretch? I don't know the answer to that, but we'll definitely spend time trying to figure it out. This isn't like track and field or boxing, right, where you... Do you want to talk after? <laughs> I think other people came too. Where you're kind of peaking for like a particular event, right? Boxing, they have like an eight-week training camp or track and field. You kind of train according to, you know, the calendar or whatever. Um, so given, right, and obviously no one's been able to kind of figure that out, right? Over the years, there have been things that go in cold and get hot, whatever. Right. But uh, the it, Phillies you like this lost a lot of games to, in the regular season and then came in and now, you know, have put themselves in a position to be in the NLCS. So it's easy after the fact, but before it would you have said, hey, they're going to do this. No, because it's easy after the fact to say, okay, here's how they've played. Here's what they've done with runners in scoring position. Here's how they've handled different moments. Yeah, and there's no, it's no secret why they are where they are right now. So do you feel like you just got to Again, I answered this very clearly for you. If you want me to answer it again, I will. I don't know the answer in terms of how much of it is just baseball and how much of it is other things that, you know, we could potentially control. And, you know, an example is in the seventh inning, Will Smith hits that ball 100 miles an hour that happens to go to Profar and not to his right or left. And Kim hits a ball, you know, into the ground that happens to, because Muncy's playing up, go down the line. Like, had it been this far, much further over, it's a double play. So those things are what we both love about the game and can drive you crazy when you're on the other side of it. So how much of that is luck? How much of that is skill? How much of that is preparation? All great questions for us to debate ad nauseum. In hindsight, is there anything, when you look at that seventh inning in particular, um, you guys would have done differently there? Yeah, in hindsight, we would have done it totally differently. <laughs> but, like, obviously when, when... We would have positioned Trace a little differently. On Grisham's ball, we would have had Muncie play the line a little bit more. But with the planning, like, when you don't use Phillips and you have, you know, you make a lot of decisions there, is that something you look at as, um, you know, there's been kind of instances of this in, in years past where there's probably decisions that change in those spots than, than how you go about it in the regular season? Is, is that something that you kind of look at as... A, a common theme here with, with some of these. No, I mean, again, I think after a loss, there are narratives formed about what happened, and I get that. I mean, every day is a series of narratives, both positive and negative, but come as a result of what happened, and I totally understand that. I think that there are decisions that are 50-50 or 55-45, and if those moves would have worked, Dave would have gotten praise for them. Like, definitionally, if that's the case, which I genuinely believe is to be the case, it's hard on the other side to be too critical. You can say, hey, it would have been great if you had done something different with the benefit of hindsight. It's a hard thing when, like, in that moment, I think you could passionately argue different sides. And so many decisions like this don't have a clear right or wrong answer until after it plays out. You know, that innings sped up on him, though? Jeez, dude, what? You don't think that innings sped up on him? I don't. I didn't know what happened with the, with the first pitch, and then after it was a missed sign, like, those things happened. Uh, I, I did not think that. Do you know how that sign got missed yet? I don't. Wait, was this I'm not going to spend any time on that either, like, getting into it like that. <laughs> what was this the most disappointing elimination you've had here? Um, 
Yeah, probably. It's hard to like vividly remember each one because they're all terrible and devastating and eventually you kind of pick yourself up and start to pour yourself into the next year. I felt way worse Sunday than I expected and I expected low uh, and it hasn't quite hit an upswing yet, but it will at some point. Andrew, we talk about analytics during the regular season and how well they work 111 games. Do you guys change your way of thinking when it comes to analytics for the postseason, maybe taking into consideration emotion or things like that? Like, help us explain how that works. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what analytics means because it means something different to different people. I mean, from our standpoint, it's about being prepared. And it's about having scouting reports on the opposing players. It's about understanding their strengths and their weaknesses. It's about matching up our players' strengths against the other team's weaknesses. Um, so I think it means different things to different people. But from that standpoint, it's about like everything is a series of kind of individual events that happens in a baseball game. And it's about trying to have the odds as much in our favor in every move that we can as much as we can. Um, and, you know, when a game starts, we have a lineup that we pick to face their pitcher. They have a lineup that they pick to face our pitcher. And then after, so there's the series of kind of individual battles. And then from there, it's our guys are picking relievers to come in and face their hitters knowing they might hit. And it's just how to match up our guys' strengths against their weaknesses as much as possible. And I think it's similar in that that's the best way for me, whether you cared enough about a spring training game, whether it's a regular season game or whether it's game seven of the World Series, is to constantly try to put your players in the best position to succeed, which in turn gives you a better chance of winning. So that's how it kind of lands with me. But I think it means something different to different people. All right. Uh, Andrew, this also out of that seventh inning, uh, really, between kind of game five or four in general, uh, another narrative is who makes those decisions? How much is it pregame? Is that really a narrative? <laughs> After every single postseason, I've answered that question, so I don't feel like it is a narrative, only based on like the question at the end of it that keeps coming up. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And we've answered this a lot of times. I'd really like not to answer it. Well, next year, hopefully, it's after a parade. But it's been very clearly answered here uh, a lot of different times. If it ever changes, I'll let people know. I don't think it ever will, but if it ever does, I will let people know. And then also, it seems like Dave's coming back. Can you confirm that? Dave is coming back. 100%. Okay. Um, what, what do you think of the fact that teams in the past have made changes, even after a successful season, just because they need to change the voice? Yeah, I understand that. I don't feel like that's what we need. Again, if we felt like a different voice was going to help us cash in on those situations with runners in scoring position, yeah, then maybe we would. Um, but again, some of, you know, again, if Will Smith's balls three feet to Profar's left or right. It clears the bases as opposed to being a sack fly. I mean, there are those things that take place in the course of a game that I think it's important to tease out, like what part of it is baseball and what part of it is leadership. And I feel like Dave and his coaching staff did an incredible job to lead this team during the regular season to 111 wins. And I don't feel like it was a switch they then turned off or the players got, you know, needed a different voice in those games. That's my personal belief, but I get that there are differing opinions on this on a lot of different things and appreciate that. And then you mentioned changing levers, um, changing pieces, does that include coaching staff at all? No, I don't anticipate it right now. Hey. Andrew, I have a question about somebody that actually played in the game. Um, Mookie Betts, the last month of the season, was a 200 hitter, OPS not even at 600. David said on multiple occasions during the year that the offense goes as Mookie goes. How much of this and only winning one game in this series 
falls on his lack of production. Yeah, again, that's in results because if you go back and watch those four games, he hit some balls hard that got caught. If you want to point at like somebody like he's really good at looking over a baseball, there were a few called strikes that weren't strikes. Again, that's baseball. It's not something that, but I think it's hard to isolate it down and say that he didn't because I think there was some really good at bats and some really good uh, contact that happened to be at guys coupled with looking over balls in ways. So I don't pinpoint any of it on him personally. Point of not only him but some of your your guys from the day that you guys clinched, there were symptoms that they were not hitting on all cylinders. Did you see that, or is that just on the surface? No, I mean I think so. I th again, you know, Gavin had the neck thing, JT had the leg thing. You know, we had guys dealing with stuff, some that were still playing and some that sat out for a period, and that happens. And so we, you know tried everything we could to get guys in the best position going into October. With some guys we were able to, and with some guys we weren't. Did you feel like your players were too comfortable playing the Padres, that they had dominated them not only this year, but you know, the period of time that they've all been here? Did you feel like they took the Padres I didn't, for granted? I didn't feel that way. Um, you know, and watching them prepare and go about it, I did not feel that way. I think it is easy and kind of a lazy narrative after the fact to say that was the case. And maybe it was, and maybe I was too close to it. I don't know, but it did not land with me in that way at all. Yeah, Andrew, did you feel like in retrospect you guys did enough at the deadline? Because when Gallo only didn't have a single play to Paris, DS. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as we came into this postseason, we felt like we had, in our minds, obviously we're biased, the most talented team. So, you know, uh, we would have traded a lot for a guy if you would have told me, hey, he's going to get a hit every time of the runner in scoring position. We would trade a lot for that player. Uh, you know, I felt like it wasn't from a lack of talent um, in October. It's maybe a little question to answer. Like, is there a way to sort of combat, like, the volatility that you guys have had in our scoring position? I'm sure that's something that you're looking into now, but, like, there's the stretch in San Francisco where Dave sort of criticized uh, some of the approach stuff you mentioned that game three and four slid. Is there a way to sort of minimize that volatility? I don't know. I mean, I think you go through all 30 teams or you take the best teams and the playoff teams and you look at it, there is that. Some of it is batted ball luck. Some of it can be approach. Some of it can be a pitcher happened to like really execute and that at bat. Like when a pitcher really executes, a hitter's almost always out. And so it gets down to that as well. Like how well does that pitcher execute in that at bat? Um, that, you know, all those things together, I think makes it hard to have just a very steady uh, line in terms of what your production is in those moments. But obviously anything we can do to improve it, even on the margins, is worth it. And last winter, you lost here out of Freeman, Trey Turner's free agent this winter. Do you anticipate needing to have another star level bat if he does leave? I don't know. I mean, right now, again, uh, we didn't expect to be diving into the offseason and 23 team right now. Um, but as I said earlier, we're going to do everything we can to use this time as wisely as possible and be more prepared or be as prepared as we can be uh, to not be sitting here having this press conference in the middle of October next year. Andrew, I know it's hard to compare senses of disappointment does it feel like more big things were out of your control this year, whether it's the layoff prior to the division series while the Padres are playing the games, or the regular season at home, it's big games against the Rockies, or being geofenced out of Petro Park so your fans can't show up. But were there fewer, were there like more meaningful things out of your control? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, again, I think it boils down to us not getting hits in those situations and whether any of that led to it. I don't necessarily think so, but uh, you know, again, I think speaks to the difficulty in trying to answer that. I don't know the answer. Are there any players who will be reporting to spring training saying they have had an off-season procedure or some sort of um, Not sure yet, but if it does happen, we will let you guys know.
Um, how concerning was it after obviously Kimbrell's struggles, taking him out of the closer role, not having a true closer for that you know final month and in the postseason, and that changing, and then in terms of the offseason, how much of a priority or concern will you guys deal with addressing that? You want to take that one? <clears throat> yeah, I think we felt like our collective pitching staff was as talented as we've ever had here. Um, really like the different weapons and um, abilities that our relievers had. So, you know, having a traditional closer wasn't something that's like front of mind. And we think that it's a really talented group that is all prepared to pitch in any situation, which allows, you know, the doc and the coaching staff to put them in the best situations when it calls upon rather than going inning by inning. Yeah, any regrets not adding a starting pitcher up the deadline? You know, again, I think um, we spent a lot of time during the deadline. Some things that happened, a lot of things that didn't. That's the same every trade deadline. Um, you know, we are tasked with doing everything we can to win in that current year, but also to maintain our future outlook. If a deal would have made sense, we would have said yes to it on a number of different fronts. So, no, I don't regret not doing a bad deal for us. I don't regret that. Um, and, again, I don't feel like it was our starting pitching or our pitching in general that is the reason that we're sitting here today um, and felt like, like Brandon just said, that our one through 13, I feel like this was the deepest that we've had and the most talented with differing looks and you know options to navigate different lineups. And you know we felt really good about the talent that we had down there. What would you say to fans who have endured as many years of this as we have, a lot more years, they want something done. They want somebody, the fans frankly want somebody fired. They want some changes. Jorge mentioned to staff, front office, something. What do you say to those fans who are begging to see something different that can happen to change the outcome next year? Again, I think the passion that they have is shared. You know, the expectations that they have are shared. The disappointment that we all feel today is shared. I think, you know, it's just the way I personally see the world is for everyone that we work with that pours themselves into this also feel that same way and it's us collectively trying to learn what we can from what has happened and putting ourselves in the best position to avoid it going forward again i feel like if you know the vast majority of the time if the best team just always won the world series and this happened to be an example of not then i think it's easier to you know point fingers and isolate why some of it comes down to what happens in the crazy tournament that is the playoffs in baseball. And it cuts both ways. It's exhilarating and awesome when it works out, and it is crushing when it doesn't. And to me, that has as much to do with the beauty of this game than it does. I, I just don't see the world in terms of pointing fingers and firing someone for those reasons. Now, I think as a group, if we're not constantly trying to get better, even if we won it all this year, I think the mindset of always trying to improve what we do is shared among everyone we work with, then those are people that I very much believe in figuring this out with together. Yeah, I know, uh, with regards to the runners in scoring position thing, how do you fix that? Is, is this a mental thing or is this a mechanical thing? Well, again, during the regular season, we led in every category with runners in scoring position. So I don't think it's something that gets into a mental thing. Um, you know, there were four game stretches where we were elite. There were four game stretches where we weren't. I, I don't know the answer to, you know, how much of it was it being the playoffs, but again, if we had a bunch of inexperienced guys in the playoffs, I think it's a fairer question of that. But with the experience these guys have, I think it mitigates that some. But 
I think a lot of our time and energy is going to be spent on are there things we can do to improve it on the margins? Are there levers we can pull um, to do whatever we can to increase our chances next year? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was Andrew touched on it before. Like, we haven't spent much time on that at all, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's just not something we've discussed much internally. Um, you know, obviously, Belly's had spurts of being really successful throughout the season. His elite defense has continued to, to be there. Um, and we still think that there's upside. So those are discussions that we're going to have moving forward as we look into what 2023 looks like. Do you guys plan to pick up Justin Turner's option? Again, all kind of personnel things for us. Um, we're going to spend more time on. Um, you know, he's been a huge part of our success. Um, has been right in the thick of you know everything for as long as I've been here. Um, but answering definitively about what next year's team is going to look like is just really difficult right now. You know, we're going to take time and meet as a group and really get into those things. We're just not prepared at this point. And then does the uh, outcome of the Bauer appeal, will that have any impact financially on what you guys kind of are able to do this winter? I mean, as long as I've been here, our ownership group has been incredibly supportive of doing anything and everything to reward our fans' passion and do everything they, from their standpoint, to put us in position to go out and win a championship, and I don't anticipate that changing. Uh, just quickly, Andrew, considering how um, this playoff structure has played out in a sense, with the wildcard teams being the modern teams that are going through, obviously you've got so many things Guardians, you guys see how that one plays out. But how are, are you guys looking at this now playoff structure and kind of using that to prepare uh, for next season, just seeing if that changes your approach in any sense? I mean, we'll still be gunning for the one seed. Uh, we won't be gunning to be a wild card team. Um, you know, I, we spend very little time thinking about, well, what could be different? How would you structure it? as opposed to this is what it is and let's operate within it and do the best we can. And so I can confidently sit here and say that our goal next year will be to be the number one seed um, and do everything we can to then win 11 games. Yeah, Andrew, is this level of spending you guys are at sustainable or do you feel like you might have to make some adjustments in the next couple of years just to sort of continue this sort of step. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this over the years. Um, you know, we never view payroll in one-year increments. Um, we always view it over kind of a rolling time period. And there are times where our payrolls are higher. There's times where it's not as high. And, you know, a lot of that times with our farm system and when young players are coming up and you know because the number one thing for Mark Walter and our ownership group is do everything we can to go out and win a World Series so sometimes as part of the transition that happens on rosters over a three five year period young players get integrated onto the roster and by definition you know payrolls come down some when that happens, depending on how many. And we have a number of really talented minor league players right now at the upper levels. And part of our focus this offseason will be how many to look to integrate early in the year, how much, how many of them will kind of serve as depth throughout the year, get some experience, and then be part of, you know, the core going forward. You know, all are things that we're going to have to work through this offseason. And this sort of falls into the personnel bucket, but last year when Clayton was still made, made his decision, you decided not to give him a qualifying offer. Do you anticipate having a similar sort of path as he sort of decides if he wants to play next year? I mean, from my standpoint, nothing has changed in that my strong hope is that Clayton Kershaw is 
pitching here next year. But, you know, like I said last year, I think, you know, for him to take the time and put his head together with Ellen and figure out what makes the most sense for their family uh, is what we're going to afford them the time to do. And whether it's a decision that they make quickly or it takes some time, I'm not sure of that right now. But as we learn that and get a sense, we'll have a better feel for how we're going to handle everything. We have to reset your salary cap thing, though. Well, we have to? Well, yeah, we have to. Like no. There are benefits to doing it, but we will not have to. Um, you mentioned kind of the margins. I'm just kind of wondering, like, in your eight years here, I think it's been eight years, right, um, as the game as a whole has gotten smarter, how much harder has it become to kind of maybe find those guys kind of that can help you out of the periphery? I'm not. I'm not sure. I know how to answer that. Um, just being so mired in it, I don't necessarily have perspective. But uh, I feel like the group that works together in this organization to do everything we can to go out and win. I'm biased, but I feel like this is the best of baseball, um, and I feel like. There is a level of curiosity that exists among the group of trying to figure out ways to improve. Um, and I don't think that would change or be different even if we won the World Series this year. And so I think we're constantly always trying to figure out ways to get better. Some of it is more obvious with specific players. And sometimes it's something more process related that's less obvious but always striving to improve what we do. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. All right, you were listening to Andrew Friedman addressing the media out at Dodger Stadium, the audio courtesy of Sportsnet LA. And, uh, Rodney, I have to tell you, it went about 37 minutes, and uh, it was not light and airy in some parts of it. It was not light what? Light and airy, and uh... <laughs> uh, he handled that like I would have handled that, Fred. He answered the questions just like I would have answered the questions. I, I, I anticipated him to say what he said, and it's exactly my sentiments. Exactly. Well, he didn't. I'll, what say you? Well, he didn't know exactly. He didn't have the exact answers to many of the questions. And his point was... Because there isn't. Right. His point was, uh, we didn't expect to be here. And uh, therefore, we're starting work on next year's team a little sooner than we thought we would. Yeah. He uh, defended Dave Roberts, thought the criticism of Dave Roberts was unfair. Uh, He was asked about, does there need to be a change of leadership? He pointed out that the team had won 111 games. Dave Roberts had been highly successful. And that there's not going to be a change of leadership. So we, we already kind of knew that we, we said that he also said that the best team does not win the world series. The hottest team wins the world series. And the objective now is to figure out how to be the hottest team in October. As for the Padre series, he spoke of a game of inches. If Will Smith had hit the ball just a little bit one way or the other, we're having a different conversation. If Profar shot, down the line when Muncie was playing up had been hit just a couple of inches to to the right. We're having a different conversation. That's a double play ball. He said some of it is just baseball. And what's not baseball are the kinds of things that they will look at. He defined analytics, which he has done every year. And he got a little testy when somebody asked him the question, uh, who is making the decisions during the game? And he pointed out that we've had this conversation after every year. Mm -hmm. And the answer has never changed. Correct. In the game. He said the same thing last year, right? Right. We've had this conversation. And he said, but I'll repeat it again. And you could see he was a little frustrated by that. He talked about some of the decisions Dave Roberts made. And he said, you know, they're really 50-50. It's basically easy to sit here now and second guess or bench jockey given the result. Because if the result had been different, there would be no conversation about this. Yes, and the the result could have very well been different. Right. Easily different. He was puzzled and befuddled by the fact 
that they led Major League Baseball in scoring with runners in scoring position during the regular season. That didn't more happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. That didn't happen. He talked about four game stretches during the regular season where they looked like the 27 Yankees and then they didn't look very good at all. And then they looked good again. He said, I, I don't know why we didn't look good. He was questioned about Mookie Betts. And he basically defended Mookie Betts and said, this is unusual. So there's a lot of work, he said, that needs to be done and a lot of conversations that need to be had. Uh, all right, let's take a break now. Let's take a break. And by the way, Rodney, very much like you, I think he handled it very well. I, I don't know what people expected him to say today. We're cleaning house. We're firing everybody. That's not going to happen. No. That's not the way they, they address this. Not even remotely possible. Okay. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have David Vassay jump on and get his perspective. Yeah. All right now, Rodney P. Fred Rogan, on a Tuesday, just got finished listening to Andrew Friedman. Um, can't be easy for him to uh, sit up there and get fired questions like that after a disappointing loss to a series like the Dodgers just had. Everybody wants answers right away. Everybody wants wholesale changes, Fred, and give me the answer. Give me, uh, look into that crystal ball and tell me who you're going to fire and what's going to make us better and all these things that people want, and you just can't give it to them, Fred. Well, they don't know yet. <laughs> they don't. They have no idea. They haven't even started yet, but they are going to start. Uh, let's bring on David Vassay, who was there. Dave, good afternoon to you. Okay. I'm sorry, Dave. Good afternoon. Dave. Hey, what's up, guys? Okay. What's up, Dave? You were there for all of it. What were your thoughts? Well, I did hear the word failure, and that's the way the city feels. So Andrew Friedman did have his finger on the pulse of how his fan base feels because it was a great regular season, but not sure how you reconcile winning 111 games and only winning one in the postseason. And, you know, it, I, you know, he told me it's a lazy to – just speculate that the team didn't come ready to play. I think it's lazy to say that you lose a playoff series because another team was hot or it was a game of inches. That There's something more to this than just a game of inches. Is it, though? Is it really? I mean, is, is, that was is it was one play. I know. I know it's one play, but I'm saying I'm talking about in, in, the, in the scope of Mookie not hitting. Uh, I, I'm talking about being, you know, a, a bullpen that was the best in baseball or a pitching staff that was the best in baseball. I'm talking about those things that you do during the regular season. You don't expect that to happen in the postseason. You expect to be successful. You expect your top three well, to be the top three. You expect Will Smith to be Will Smith. Rodney, the facts are the Dodgers hadn't been hitting since they clinched the NL West. Mookie Betts was a 200 hitter. Since September 13th, that did not change in the postseason. Trey Turner was a 270 hitter since the beginning of August. It actually got worse defensively and offensively for him. Uh, Trace Thompson was a 220 hitter. The list goes on and on that the symptoms were there, and that is why they're paid to perform on the biggest stage. Correct. That's, completely that's my point. Different than saying that, it's a game of inches. Yeah, I think that was one aspect. Of it. My point is, hits, my point is, the players got to play. What do you games. do? What do you do then? Okay, so you, they're, they're, your players are your players, your guys that you count on. They they go into a funk, go into a slump, go get lazy, whatever they do, and they don't perform. At the end of the day, what are you supposed to do? Uh, I'm Paul not saying bets? you're you supposed to down? do anything. Rodney, I'm not saying you do anything. You asked me my takeaways, and I thought it was lazy to say it was just a game of inches because the Dodgers lost that series more than just because of Hong Sung Kim's double down the third base line. That was my response. And I'm basically saying stop worrying about Dave Roberts and stop worrying about you know maybe not letting Tyler Anderson go deeper. Uh, your, your guy, the guy that's paid $365 million, had two hits. And that's Mookie Betts, whether you like it or not. 
Yeah, and he, and he basically defended Mookie. He didn't say anything bad about him. Well, what's he going to say? But I think he does need to take – Mookie needs to take a little long look at himself during this offseason and maybe be more of a consistent player because his season was made of two incredibly good months in May and August. And they look to him to be the catalyst of this offense. And I just think there needs to be a little bit more engagement throughout the entire year and especially in the postseason because he has not been a postseason performer in his career outside of the 2020 bubble. Uh, Dave, when, when Dave Roberts said, you know, some of it is baseball and some of it is something else, well, the something else is obviously just the roster construction, maybe moving guys differently from a, an analytics standpoint. Where do you think the club actually goes from here? I believe they stay the course. I mean, that's what Andrew Friedman has done. There were years past where he could have shaken things up on the coaching staff, not just Dave Roberts, but he could have switched out his bench coach. He could have switched out his hitting coaches. He could have done a lot of different things. But the one thing that we've seen from him is staying with his process that he believes in. And you heard him during the press conference say there will be no coaching changes unless one of them gets a job, a managerial job, and, I'm sure Clayton McCullough, the first base coach, and Dino Ebel, the third base coach, might get some teams that knock on the door to get permission to interview them. But outside of that, you're not going to see any changes. And that's up for debate on whether or not there should be changes because there seems to be some sort of disconnect uh, when hitters get into the batter's box. Brandon Gomes, noncommittal on Cody Ballinger, said we haven't even started working at that, looking at that yet. Do you believe that's true, or do you think they've already been – looking at the Cody Bellinger situation. Come on, Fred. They've been looking at it. They're just not going to say anything right now. It just doesn't provide to be fruitful for them to say anything one way or the other because they're so protective over their, their leverage, their perceived leverage. Uh, there was not going to be any direct answers when it came to player decisions today. This was more about addressing the loss. It was lip service because we're three days removed, you know, from from them being out of it. It's not like we're going to get, I don't know what people expected, to get, okay, let's break everything down and be specific about what we're going to do this offseason, three days removed from getting bounced when you didn't think you would from uh, NLDS series. So I I don't know what people expected. Um, But I will say, you know, I I, I get – Everything that you guys are saying and frustration and, and all of that, but I'm 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 focused more on your point, Dave, that you made, and I've said this all along. It at the end of the day, it's the players. The players got to come through. Players got to play. Mookie Betts and you, we've said it all season long. Uh, it, it, they go as he goes, and it's the catalyst. And and you can't shy away from that and be and try to sugarcoat it and try to be overly careful and protective. Mookie didn't play well, and if you're the guy. If you're the guy, you got to be the guy when it matters most. And Mookie hasn't been that. And you got to call it like you see it. Bryce Harper is the Philly superstar. He has carried them to the NLCS. Manny Machado is the Padres superstar. He and Juan Soto carried the Padres past the Dodgers. Mookie Betts had two hits in the NLDS. He wasn't much of an impact player last postseason either. Traditionally, he has not performed well in October. That has to change, and maybe he's not that guy. Um, But when you look at the big three of Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and Freddie Freeman, those three guys made this Dodger offense go. There's no ways around it. And only one of those three showed up consistently for all four games. Trey Turner made a huge error in game two of the NLDS, and some might argue the Dodgers never recovered from that error. Um, so Trey Turner is another guy that has never historically performed in October when the nationals went to the world series in 2019, Trey Turner didn't have a lot to do with that offensively. So there, there's things that you can look at that guys between the lines affected this series more than anybody else. And I don't believe it's a lazy assumption to, to look at the Dodgers, the way they performed and not think that they took the Padres for granted, especially when Padres players told me they felt that way. That's not lazy at all, Andrew Friedman. 
Dave, uh, you talked to the Dodger players. I'm not asking who you talked to, but uh, from the guys you've talked to since it's been over, uh, what was their reaction? Well, the, obviously shock the first couple of days after, and Justin Turner spoke to the team after the game and was very emotional. So I know a lot of guys believe this was a missed opportunity, and it certainly was. They had the best record in baseball, and they blew a great chance to get to the World Series without the Braves or Mets in their way. Uh, there's no ways around it. This was one of the biggest disappointments in Dodger history, uh, especially considering the two teams everybody thought were, would be standing in the Dodgers' way of getting to the World Series were both eliminated. The Dodgers had a great path to win the NL pennant this year if they could get past the Padres. Do you think, uh, Dave, anything to the uh, to the the bye and the week and the, the the series off that they had for the Dodgers and even say the say the Braves? Um, had the buy as well and, and, and got bounced just like the Dodgers. Anything, anything to that? Um, no, I just believe they took the Padres for granted. They thought they could just show up and win. I don't think it has anything to do with the five days off. Although, like I mentioned during the press conference, and I've mentioned to you guys, there were symptoms that the switch may have been flipped off after the Dodgers clinched the NLS. A lot of their players may have exhaled. Freddie Freeman may have been the only Dodger to play for something, trying to win the batting title, but even he was a 274 hitter with a 900 OPS. Uh, Trey Turner was a 270 hitter. Um, so there were symptoms that they may have exhaled a little too soon, and there's an argument that people around baseball are making right now that they didn't have a real game to play, especially after the All-Star break, and that may have contributed to this lackluster performance. All right, Dave. Well, thanks for jumping on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for thanks, the insight. Dave. Okay, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. There goes David Vassay. He was out at Dodger Stadium. He heard Andrew Friedman. And if you were listening, you heard Andrew Friedman as well. The bottom of the hour, we'll open the phone lines. You heard the Dodger. You, you were in the news conference, basically. You were just like a member of the media. You got to hear every single word. That's what the media heard. That's what they'll be writing about. Well, you heard it as well. So before they write about it, we'll give you a chance to comment on it, and we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. Y'all be interested to uh, hear what people have to say, Rodney? I, I, I bet I can guess. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> it's not going to change. All right. You can set that up when we get back. And uh, we'll also have some spirituality. Oh, yeah. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.